Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another episode of Wealth Tactic Rebels, a podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for, I know I say 10, but it's more like 15 years, you know, time flies. And uh, today we're going to have a conversation with the guest, Robert Farrington. Hey, Robert, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm enjoying the summer weather. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I always look forward to summer. I love winter because I grew up with skiing and things like that. But as I've gotten older, I enjoy the warmth more. (laughs) (laughs) So, Robert, today we're going to talk about your cup of tea that's paying for college essentially right the tends to be a big problem in today's world for for a lot of people it's it's the politicians are all talking about it right for the uh, upcoming elections it's kind of a, a big topic right totally uh, i mean it's dominating the headlines i mean you have the two lower. buckets right you got you got the paying for college side and then you right. got like how do you deal with everyone paying back their student loan side right. and yeah, I mean, between uh, all the politicians and the programs and everything, I, I feel like you can't go more than a couple of days without seeing some headline, right? Oh, yeah, right. I know pretty much. It's all over the place. I mean, it's always been a big deal. It's just coming more of a forefront. And I think that has something to do with the increasing costs of college, right? It seems to be going up a lot faster than oh, the totally. jobs that are, we're producing from them. The college costs are definitely increasing, but on the flip side, like there's other areas like community college that are becoming more affordable and free places. You know, a lot of people are even questioning, should you go to college, right? Like Mm. the trades, like Mm. it's like the biggest shortage of trade workers that we've ever had Mm. in this country. And, you know, you could be 18 years old and go be a plumber and start making 50K a year and and have no debt. So it's a very interesting dynamic we have right now in this country. And not saying that you shouldn't go to college or you should, but it's definitely important that we talk about the different options and how to pay for them and what Mm. the implications Mm. of your choices are going to be for the rest of your life, right? Right. Did you go to college yourself? I did go to college. I I went to college. I got my master's and I don't use any of that today. So I don't know what... (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because... I always say that I went to college, right? I got a a master's in exercise science. And, of course, today I'm in the wealth field. So I just say that, you know, I'm still in the health field. I'm just in financial health instead. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think, you know, your college degree can be your ticket in the door. But, you know, it also has a very short lifespan. You know, by about three years when after you're done with school, Nobody cares. Yeah. And it's all about your experience and all about yeah. what you're going to bring value to that company. And so it's really important to realize that when you're thinking about the cost and how you're going to pay for it and, and what that looks like. Sure. Robert, before we dive in too much more here into the actual pay for college, what got you into this? Where, where did you come from? What was your path to get you into, uh, you know, helping families and such pay for college? Yeah, I had no plan to. So I started uh, writing about money and personal finance because I've always been interested in it. I love to side hustle. I like to earn money. I'd always been like figuring out ways to like flip things and mm. sell them on eBay and make extra money. And right. I've always been passionate about taking that money and investing it. So I really wanted to talk about like, you know, how to invest and what that looks like. And uh, that didn't really take off very well, right? Like I had right. the blog and I was sharing like investing tips. 
But uh, you know, in my own personal life, I had my own student loans and I was paying them off. And my student loan servicer screwed up my monthly payments. Uh, they screwed up my direct debit and like tried to say that I was late on a payment and it pissed me off. And so I wrote about it. And it was one of the first articles that got a ton of traffic and right. attorney people were like, oh my gosh, my loan servicer screwed up my loans too. I was like, wow, this is like an issue. So I started writing more about student loan debt and I started writing about all the different types of programs and stuff. And a lot of that gained a lot of traction. Mm -hmm. And so I just became known more and more about writing about student loan debt and then paying for college in turn. Like, you know, how do we avoid student loan debt? What are the other options? Like, what does that look like? And so here we are 10 years later. We talk a lot about paying for college and student loan debt and navigating this complex system with my end goal of hopefully getting people to invest and build wealth earlier rather than kicking these cans down the road Mm. till later. Makes sense. The power of money over time, right? Totally. You founded the collegeinvestor.com, right? And you have a a podcast. You're the the host of the... uh, College Investor oh, Audio Show, right? There you go. Oh. <laughs> Say that five times fast. So that's great. So you're really getting out there and helping people with this. you know. And I find, too, for a lot of our clients on our end, it's an issue. It combines all the worst things we hate about everything. It combines the government. It combines family dynamics. It yep, combines yep. money conversations. Yep. Like literally every like psychological like burden we have in our lives gets intertwined with this college <laughs> debate. Now it's getting to be more in my mind, too. It's, I mean, it's there when I'm working with people. But now my son's 16, 17. He's going into uh, just about 17. He's going into junior year of high school. So now you know, I'm thinking about college. He's thinking about college. Oh, boy. we got to. Anyway, so before yeah. we go down my rabbit hole, let's, let's talk a little bit more about paying for college. You've made a mention of millennials have a problem right now, right, when it comes to building wealth. What's the biggest problem that they're, they're trying to overcome? The student loan debt is the problem. And it's hard because you can't necessarily, I mean, everyone likes to say the student loan debt bubble and the burden of it and all this stuff. And the biggest issue is that paying your student loans is a drag on your monthly income, right? And so you can't deploy that money into buying a home or investing for retirement or maybe starting a business. Like whatever that path is, this just money just siphons off the top. And it's just really putting a damper and delay on what past generations were able to start earlier. So whether that's a good thing or you know a challenging thing because maybe they're earning more, it's an issue. Well, and there's a lot of ways well, to combat the issue, but right. you know it's, it's an issue. Even if they are earning more, it's like their effective income is simply less because they have to make that payment every month, right? So exactly, hundred percent. I guess we could have that debate: Is it really worth it? How long yeah. do it take to pay these loans off? Ten years? Fifteen years? And that's the magic question is, is it worth it? And what level is worth it? So the stats say that going to college earns you about double over your life than not going to college. Right. 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 So theoretically, quote, we're just talking theory, like it's worth it. (laughs) But you have to know what the cost is. And that's an average, right? So with any average, you've got half the people that it's worth it for and half the people that it's not necessarily (laughs) worth it for. And so you've got to figure this out. And, uh, you know, it definitely varies. It varies by location. It varies by where you go to school, how much you pay. It varies by career. Mm. It varies by how you're going to repay these loans after college. So I want to say the average loan repayment right now in this country takes 17 years. 
And the average plans, there's plan types that range from, you know, 10 years to 25 years. And there's plans that come with loan forgiveness. There's plans that are based on your income. So the problem with the student loan repayment issue is that there's over 150 different ways to repay your student loans. Right. And it's very complex. You're asking these people to, to make a very challenging choice early on in their lives and careers. And it, it's hard. Right, right. Before they go to college. It starts yeah, there, right? Right, it starts there. So right. before they even get into, oh my God, now I've got to figure out one of these 150 ways to pay for, which they probably don't even know. They probably think there's five ways. They first got to decide what college I'm going to, what I'm going to get. You say they should look at college like a business with an ROI, right? 100%. So that's the thing is like, yes, you know, going to college has a lot of soft benefits. It helps you learn to be independent. It helps you communicate better. It helps you build new friends. There's soft benefits. But at the end of the day, mm. you're paying money for these benefits. Right. right? Of it's a cost. If college was free, shoot, go to college and live it up. But it's <laughs> not free. You're paying yeah. 20000 30000 a year, maybe more. Right. And just like you would if you were to buy a rental property or invest in a business or even buy a stock, like you're buying these things to have a return on this investment. And right. the return is your future earnings, right? Like right. you're going to college to get skills that you could hopefully translate those skills to make money, right? right? Like the cool thing is, is we have Google, we have Glassdoor, we have all these tools that let you know what you will earn in any given field, in any given job. Like you can know what your starting salary is going to be. You can know what your mid-career salary is going to be. You can know what your end-career salary. I mean, it's it's out there. The data is there. So if you want to go into a field, do a little research, figure out what you're going to make, and then back it up and decide what's reasonable to spend. But that can be a trouble yeah. too. For me, uh, my example is I went to college and I chose a college based on what I thought I wanted to do. And yeah. then I didn't. So I changed totally. colleges. And then when I changed colleges, half my credits didn't transfer. And I had to scramble to do them. I ended up going to college for five years. I changed my mind probably four times after I actually changed college. And it was completely different from where I started. I think college also isn't the time to find yourself. It's too expensive. It is, So right? if you don't know what you want to do, well, start with community college. Go get your general education credits. Dude, mm, algebra mm. is algebra, whether you take it at a community college or a you know, four-year private <laughs> right, school. Right. That doesn't change. Like These basic classes don't change. Maybe you see what you're interested in. Maybe you will get a job while you're going to community college mm. or get an internship. You know, Go try out some different things yeah. because like, we have options. We just don't necessarily know these options mm. exist. We're not exposed to them, True. right? Because right now the system is you go to school, you go to grade school, you go to high school. When you're junior, you pick your college. You pick your college based on what you want to study. When you're 16 years old, you're supposed to decide what you want to study and do for the rest of your life. Uh, right. I was still dreaming at age 16. I don't know about anyone else. I had no idea. I mean, I had ideas in my head of things I would love to do, but it was literally dreams. And, you know, yeah. I wanted to be uh, an astronaut. That wasn't happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've had this conversation. It's interesting that you're saying this. I've actually been thinking about this with my son because I've noticed that a lot of people, my niece has been going through this. She changed colleges. Mm -hmm. That's delaying her college. because she, she got into college thinking she knew what she wanted to do. Got there. Nope, not what I want to do. A lot of her friends are going through the same thing. So I've been having this conversation with my son. I, I was thinking about this recently. I mean, maybe this is my thinking differently because you just mentioned this and I, I was thinking about this was don't go straight into college. Just well, take I a couple of classes 
and take some time, get a job, whatever, and try to figure yourself out. Well, totally. And I think we scare kids as a society that like, if you don't go right after high school, you're never going to get to go. And right. that's a big myth. One, the colleges will always take your money. They will not tell you no. But on the flip side, there's a really interesting study that came out that you know who has the highest graduation rate from college? Who's that? It's community college transfer students graduate from a four-year college at the highest rate because they have taken the time to figure themselves out and they have a purpose for going. Right. Uh, High school students that go straight to a four-year college have the lowest graduation rate from a four-year school at like 67%. Wow. Because what you said, people don't know what they want to do. Life comes at them. Things change. So like go work. I think we have a big problem today that we don't have enough high school students out working. They're not getting exposure to careers and choices that they used to have back in the day. Like, Mm. you know, they used to get more exposure to trade fields. They used to get more exposure to alternatives. Now everything's like so tech driven and and things that that's what they see. And if their parents maybe aren't in a field, these kids don't even know what jobs are out there, what they want to do. So go work, go get an internship. Doesn't mean you have to stop going to school, go to a community college. Even going to a state school isn't extremely expensive. It's definitely more expensive than a community college because community college is free a lot of places now. Right. About half the states, you can knock out these things for yeah. free. So for enough, and, and even not? If, and even if you weren't going full time, if you were just taking your time, you could do like you said. You could go to these community colleges, get those core classes taken care of, and then you can do whatever you want after you figure it out in a year or two. Exactly. But it's like, do you want to go in business? Do you want to go in retail? Do you like marketing? Do you like programming? Do you like tech? Like, don't know until you're exposed to it. The only way you're going to get exposed to it is you go try it and do it. And like, we're just not giving children the opportunity to do these things, Mm -hmm. but we're asking them to make $100,000 decisions at 17 with incomplete information. Right. That's a big decision. It's a big decision. But I also think, you know, kind of talking about this is that we also, when it comes to this decision, are always talking about student loans. Student loans are the last choice when it comes to paying for college. Okay. There's a lot of other options out there that come to paying for college. Right. And so we always default to that. So it's like, you know, you also have to balance what you're doing, what you're getting, how much does it cost, what's the ROI. You know, like mm-hmm. it can just like buying a house with a mortgage can make sense. Right. Going to college and taking a student loan can also make sense right. if you're borrowing responsibly, not over leveraging yourself. Like yeah, you just yeah. think about it and do the math. And that's very hard for a 17-year-old or 18-year-old and also with parents right. that might not be totally attuned to what's going on today. Right. So let's assume that you know we're now in a position, our listeners are in a position where they've somehow the child has magically figured out what they want to do and what they want to study in the college and they've worked it all out. How do they go about figuring out how to pay for it? I mean, you know you say loans is part of it. So how do they figure out how to pay for it? And then how do they manage those loans after? There's going to be some sort of transition there, I'm sure. First message to the parents, which are probably most of the listeners here, you don't have to pay for your children's college education. Like, I think that's a a big thing. Like, we put this pressure on parents, like, parents must pay. I really think it's the opposite. Like, parents should not pay unless they are 100% set for their own life. I'm talking like be debt free. I'm talking like retirement fully funded. Yeah, they're already. If if you're not there, 
you probably shouldn't be cutting twenty, thirty thousand dollar checks or taking out loans, which is like the worst thing you can do to pay for your child's education. All that you're doing is kicking the can down the road. And you think that you're like helping them today? Well, in 20 years, when you're nearing retirement or in retirement and you can't afford it, now you're going to burden your children who are in their 30s and are like just at the prime of their life, maybe trying to start their own families. And you're like, hey, kids, we have no money left. Mm. Come help us. When it's like you could have not spent the money 20 years earlier, let that grow, or not taken out the loans, and you'd have been set and you've given your kids a much better life, even if they had to make some different college choices than maybe you thought they would have. Yeah. You know, you and I were talking about this earlier, too, because I have a, a personal experience with my family with that. My father felt that he wanted us to have the best start to life. So, you know, he had a pretty good income. So he paid for my brother and my sister and I's college. And now that he's in retirement, that was a significant amount of his retirement money that he could have had. Absolutely. And that's the thing is these parents think that they're setting you up for success and they just mean the best. Like, I don't think that any parent like is not trying to do right by their children. But like when there's there's so many ways to pay for college. And yes, you can get loans to pay for college, Mm. but no one's giving you a loan to pay for your retirement. (laughs) You only have to come back to your kids and be like, hey, kids, screwed up. I need your help which can be a real challenge for families when it's like if you fast forward to the decision you're making today and you have a tougher decision with your child or a tougher conversation and say like, hey, mom and dad only have X for college or zero for college. You got to figure out the rest, but there are a lot of options. Mm, to mm, mm. You just have to walk your child through them. Right. Let's talk about some of the options for college. How do you pay for it? Some of these options on how to pay for college, right? So student loans are the last resort. Before you get there, number one is you need to take advantage of the free money, which is scholarships and grants. And I personally am of the belief that scholarships are the most underrated tool for paying for college. And I'm not talking about these need-based scholarships. I'm talking about the billions of dollars out there, merit-based scholarships Uh that most students don't even apply for. Because... Uh They're lazy or don't know, or their parents don't kick them in the butt to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Which he can take. (laughs) Yes, because honestly, there are billions of dollars out there, but it takes work, right? Like these things usually take essays and time and you got to put the applications together and you got to apply by deadlines. But my challenge out there, and I have never heard anyone fail on this challenge, but very few do it. But everyone that's done it has been successful. If you apply for 100 scholarships, 100, that's a wow. big number. So, like, I'm not number. trying to. But, but they have a single amount of time to do that. But no, they have years to do that. You can start when you're 15. You can start really? as a sophomore in high school. Start applying for scholarships. Wow. But here's the thing if you apply for 100 scholarships, you will pay for college. It's just the expected value of your scholarship, the probability that you win the scholarship, and the value of that scholarship, wow. you will pay for college. But no one does. Everyone applies to four. They get rejected from all of them because you're going to have a 4 to 5% success rate. Yeah, so if yeah. you apply to 100 scholarships, you win five of them. If they're $5,000 each, you're at 25 k of money. Go to a state school, you paid for school. Right? Yeah. Like. But people don't do the math and they don't do the work. Mm-hmm. I run a scholarship on my site every year, 2500 bucks. I get about 120 applications. A hundred of them simply don't follow the directions and I just knock them off in about five minutes. We have a word count, a 500 word essay. 
can you just write 500 words? Like, no, like 420 words is not a 500 word essay. You get disqualified. <laughs> like if I ask you to send it as a Word document, don't send me a Google Sheet. Send me a Word document. If I ask for your headshot, send a picture. Like right. it's simple directions, but oh my gosh, all of a sudden you think that you, you don't have any chance of winning a scholarship. But when you realize if you just follow the direction, you have a one in 20 chance of winning a scholarship. Wow, <laughs> and yeah. the interesting thing is talking to other people that have run scholarships before. It's a very, very common thing mm-hmm. is that you think that you're in this big competition and no one's going to see your scholarship. If you follow the directions, you're probably in like one of like 20, 30 or 40 people in the running. Wow. It's not that big of a pool of people. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. One thing. Yeah. So scholarships, number one. All the directions. <laughs> but, and that sometimes can be a challenge for kids, but <laughs> all directions. <laughs> oh, here's the other thing, though. What's the number one thing you have to do to be successful in college? Follow the directions. Follow directions. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, there you let's go. even go back a little bit. If you can't follow directions of scholarship, you're probably also not going to be able to do really well in college. Well, that's all. Right. Unless they learn real quick. Right. So that's part of it. And then I was going to say, like, you know, scholarship is like work, though, right? Yeah. So, like, there's time, there's hours put in, there's work. A high school student can also go get to work. I worked starting at 16 Mm -hmm. all the way through college, full time. Like, I was working 20, 25 hours a week in high school. I'd work four hours a day after school and I'd work on every other weekend. You put in the time. Like, if you want to go to work, you can start saving significant amounts of money because you have zero expenses in high school and you yeah, can eat or earning a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Which, you know, let's just say you spend half of that on fun, you're saving 500 bucks a month. That's, you know, six thousand dollars a year. You do that your junior year, your senior year of high school, you're at twelve thousand dollars in savings. You've already paid for at least one year of state school tuition somewhere. Right. Even if it doesn't cover the full amount, well, that's the, a lot less you have right. to borrow. Or at least the extras, you know, because you have to pay for books and you have to pay for food and stuff. So, you know, you've got something for that now. Totally. But it also doesn't mean you have to stop working. Right. Like, no, of course. Through school. So, I, you know, there's a, a study done that says, what is the number one thing that employers look for in college graduates? A lot of people think it's the degree or what school you go to or all these things. Yeah, no, the number one it, experience, but it's not yeah. for new college graduates. They're not looking for experience. The number one thing they're looking for is business communication skills. Ah, yes. Can they talk to me in an interview? Mm-hmm. Can they problem solve? Can they think about things? And you know, you don't get that in your, you know, algebra two classroom at your school. You're going to get that by working, doing your internships and other things like that. Yeah. And that's where it's like when people start realizing what they're getting out of college. Mm. Really, if they can get time management skills by working and going to school at the same time, if they can finish their degree, it's the degree is more of a can you do it than what did you learn. True. Yeah. You know, I've even told my son recently that a big part of what he's going to learn in college is not just the material because I don't know about no, you, but I don't remember no. all of my material that I studied. I remember some of that, sure. But... A lot of it was the ability to be able to do the work, how to learn yeah. and research and apply the information and that kind of thing is the useful exactly. skills of the knowledge that I, I learn while learning. Absolutely. I mean, you're going to, if you go into some specialty skills like programming or medicine, like you definitely need to learn some of the stuff. 
But on the flip side, you know, those careers also earn more. So you can spend more and have a different experience, maybe not work as much because you can borrow more money because you have a better ROI. But, you know, for a lot of it, it's just business communication, problem solving skills, time management skills. Like those are the things that you really need to get out of college. And there's a lot of ways to do that. So going back to how to pay for college, though. So you got your scholarships, you got the kid working, the kid has savings. You know, parents can also contribute out of their current earnings. Like we forget this, that most parents are working still while their kids are going to school. And maybe that's not a lot of money, but if you can maybe put a hundred bucks a month towards your kid and not like really impact your life negatively, that hundred bucks could pay for their books or some other things. And every little bit counts, right? Right. And then, you know, you do have the loans federal loans, private loans, you have work study, you have fellowships, you have all kinds of things that, you know, other things that can help pay for the school that are kind of the last resorts once you knock out these bigger buckets. And if you find like a pie, like, you know, some of these pie slices will be bigger, some of them will be smaller, but like, you know, you don't have to go all in and pay for the full cost of school with loans. Like Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. Right. If you earlier on yeah. made that decision, my child's going to pay for college. But then after college, you like you say, you have a hundred bucks a month or whatever you can contribute towards it. You can still do that. Right? Totally. So that, it makes it more flexible for you as the parent, so you're not as stressed out. And quite frankly, the idea of having you know my son pay for college, I like the idea because he's going to be a lot more serious about it when he gets there. Yeah, totally. It's his skin in the game. I'm, I'm yeah. totally with it. Like, and that's the thing is like, I'm a big believer that parents should never, ever, ever borrow money to pay for their children's education. Mm. That's where they get into real trouble. And I would say right. when I come to help people with their student loans, everyone I help that's over 60 with their student loan debt mm-hmm. borrowed money to pay for their kid's school and got into trouble. Right. Yeah, because yeah, that's a problem. You know? It's a long time. Like you said... 17 years is an average. So if you're thinking, yeah. you know, a lot of people are going 20-ish years, you're four mm-hmm. years old by the time your loans are paid off. Or if you're an adult, you're probably four years old when they're going into college. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that means you're 60 plus already in retirement age by the time you're getting down to paying off that loan. That's huge, right? That's it, 20 years worth of retirement money you should have been putting away. Bingo. And so, like I said, all that ends up happening is that you just become a burden to your child in later life when they should be, you know, launching their own lives. Yeah. And so it's hard though. Like you said, you got to have these conversations early though. Like 16, Mm. like you got to be very clear with your son. Like, this is what mom and dad have. This is what we're going to expect of you. Like you need to make your college application choices effective. You need to decide like how you're going to trans, you know, what you're going to do, how you're going to go do that. If you're not already working, like you should be working every freaking weekend. Uh, I don't care if you're mowing lawns, Mm -hmm. you need to be putting that money away and you need to be building these skill sets because that's what's going to make you employable as much. Like I said, as much as we want to say college is like this holistic good and like education is a good thing. Education is a good thing. I don't dismiss that. But college is expensive. You can go on like CornellUniversity.com and watch every lecture for free. So you can get educated for free. You're going to college to get job skills, to become more employable, to earn more money. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's what it is. a holistic education deal. Right. (laughs) Let's say, you know, some of our listeners right now are millennials, right? So they're going to have, or maybe they have millennials who have just paid for college. And now they are, they're out with loans because we're going to assume most of them probably, or at least many of them have loans to some degree, you know, totally. 
43 it, million it, Americans have student loans right now. It, so yeah, 43 million. So that's a big <laughs> number, right? It's yeah. a big number. Money is powerful over time. We know that. So the longer we're able to let money compound the interest, the more it's going to grow. And money exactly. earns more money, right? So we want to start earlier saving. So what kind of strategies can people with college loans have to help start building some wealth? Because they're probably thinking, I've got all these loans. I can't do it. So yeah, and that's, it's a fair guess, right? So the average graduate has five loans, right? Because you think about it, you got one for every year of school, one, two, three, four, right. maybe you took fifth year or a summer quarter or something in the middle there. Yeah. So the average person has five loans, which already is like complex enough. So number right. one is you get organized. You got to know what you got and you got to lay it all out and see what you're paying. Mm-hmm. Then you need to get on a repayment plan that you can afford. So like, let's get to even first before we talk about anything else. Because right. like, first off, we got to get to like where your income and your expenses and you're, you're okay. So get on a repayment plan. Most people don't realize how many repayment plan options there are out there. There's 150 wow. if you break all the options up and the loan forgiveness plans and everything. But there's like five main ones here, which is like the standard 10-year, the extended plan. Then you have multiple what we call income-based plans, income-driven repayment plans. Mm-hmm. And these are based on your income. And those are very solid plans if you are struggling to make your monthly payment work every month. Even if you're a high income earner, if you have a huge loan balance, you could still be on an income-driven repayment plan. A lot of doctors and lawyers are actually on income-driven repayment plans, especially when they're starting out because they got like this massive loan, but their salaries haven't like caught up to that point yet. So these plans are great. But with these plans, they're based on your income. So then you can start hacking what your income looks like, which is kind of cool. Right, right. So that's a strategy they can look into. I would encourage listeners to, to you know, work with a professional there to try to fix. That's complicated, you know, because you've got to figure out how much can I put away, how much is going to re- help me today, how much is going to help me tomorrow. That's, that's a complicated situation, right? It, it is. But, you know, it, I would say one that you don't need anyone's help with is never pass up free money. Free money so like is good, right. It, yeah. If you get an employer match, take advantage of your employer match. Like I know your student loans are a burden, but you're literally getting free money that you're leaving on the table that you will never, ever get that opportunity to get again. Yeah, Same thing. Like a lot of employers now are doing health savings account matching, right? Right. Like these are like if you like do your physical every year and like you know take like a wellness assessment online like they'll give you like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks into sure. health savings account like free take money right take take free it. money when you're talking about how to hack your wealth over time like every little bit helps and if you can start that when your first job and even if you don't build a ton like that money's going to compound for 30 40 years and you're going to be very thankful you did, not today, because everyone hates saving today, but in 20 years when you're looking at your account balances, yeah, yeah. you'll be like, I'm glad I did. <laughs> right. So any other strategies you know, to help with yeah. uh, savings and you know, trying to build some wealth? Look and be very knowledgeable about the student loan forgiveness programs out there. So the one thing that's been making a lot of headlines today is like these proposals to eliminate student loans and forgive right. them and all that kind of stuff. Right. But what most people don't realize is that 50% of borrowers today with no legislative changes qualify for something. Maybe not total loan forgiveness, 
but 50% of all borrowers qualify for something. So do you know what you qualify for? Are you doing the right steps to get there? Mm-hmm. Because like you also see these headlines where like 99% of borrowers get rejected for you know the loan forgiveness, public service loan forgiveness. It was making big headlines last year. Right. Well, the, gov- the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, did a study and said only 1,000 people should have qualified for the program when it started 10 years ago. Right. And so you know it's a 10-year program. The fact that 100 people qualified, probably about right. Why did 30,000 people think they should have qualified? Hmm. They just didn't read the instructions. So we go back to the whole, like, <laughs> they're not following directions. You know this as a financial planner, too. Like, nobody cares more about your money than you. Right. So, like, if it's a big, if it's important to you, like, if, if student loan forgiveness and getting your loan balance wiped away is important for you, spend an hour of your time and read the directions and right. know how to qualify for the program. Because I promise you, I help people every day with this. Loan forgiveness is 100% real. I see people getting it all the time. The numbers of people getting loan forgiveness in these programs is growing and growing and growing. But most people are getting rejected because they're not filling out the application properly. Mm. They're not entering all the information. They're not following the directions. And it's just kind of like, mind-blowing to me right. you know you have the potential to see fifty thousand dollars wiped away from you right. tax-free just put in the time and and, yeah. and then it comes and, it, and and i'm assuming too that today's world's so easy to find information i need to know something go on youtube i watch a video how to do it right there must be videos on youtube professionals like yourself out there they could easily just look up if they don't know what they're doing if they have questions totally. about how to fill it out right i'm a big believer it goes back to that personal accountability kind of thing Right? Like, we want to blame everybody else. We want to blame the government. We want to blame the Sally Mays of the world. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, the forms, the information, it's all freely available online. If you spend a few minutes and educate yourself and fill out the forms, Mm. like, you can do it. You don't need to rely on, you know, a call center rep at a big company to tell you what's going on. Like, you can do it yourself, but like, be accountable to your own money and your own life. There is accountability, yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I agree. You've made a mention before that you feel that one of the solutions to help creating bigger wealth growth is, you know, once you start getting the loans figured out straight, squared away, you start being able to figure out how to come up with, you know, extra money is to have something you've done is different income streams, right? Multiple income totally. Streams. So we live in this day and age where it is easier than ever to earn money. Like it really is. And I'm not trying to belittle people, but like you could pull out your smartphone right now, mm-hmm. sign up for like a ride sharing company. And at two in the morning, anywhere in the United States, you can go out and make money with no boss, no set schedule, anything. And like we've never lived in a day and age where that has been possible until the last few years. And so right. like I also say like, for a lot of people, $100, $200 a month can be game-changing for a budget and for saving and paying off debt or whatever it happens to be. But yet, we're spending that money and or we're not leveraging our time to go earn that money. And like the potential is there. Like, Don't get me wrong. Like Driving rideshare isn't glamorous. It's work, just like anything yeah, else in the country. Yeah. You don't earn a lot. You're putting miles on your vehicle. You can give me every excuse in the book. But I'll also tell you, at 2 in the morning, where else could you earn money if you work a day job and you want to make a little money for an hour before work and after work every day 
where else are you ever going to have that opportunity? Right, right. Right? Or weekends or whatever. So, I, maybe part of it is, you know, I know that, you know, Wealth Tactic Rebels here, people are coming onto this podcast because they're interested in learning something new and something different. They're thinking differently. Right. But, you know, you made a mention of the fact that it's just in the last few years that we've been able to get to this point in our, in our development, in our technology, where well, the information is red, more readily available to be able to make more money. So maybe well, totally. it's, maybe like, that's part of it. Maybe part of it is that people just don't know what they don't know yet. Totally. Well, don't get me wrong. You know, side hustling and like second jobs have existed that's since true. the dawn of time. I used to be a retail store manager and people would get a second job being a cashier at a big box store when they were trying to get out of debt or they right. wanted to pay for Christmas presents and they get a second job. Right. You could still get a second job, but those are fixed hours, yeah. set times. Right, you have right. Very like strict requirement today with the internet and your smartphone, all that, all those rules of like a set schedule and job requirements are gone. Like you can earn a hundred percent on your time. But the flip side of that is the earnings aren't as glamorous. But like you get the time freedom and the flexibility freedom to put some extra money into your coffers. And why I'm so bullish on this is because when I had my student loan debt, I had forty three thousand dollars in student loans, and I paid them off in two and a half years. You know how I did it is by working my day job right. and side hustling to the tune of about $2,500 a month. I was going to estate sales and garage sales every single weekend mm-hmm. and I'd buy stuff to flip it on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that to the tune of 2000 bucks a month. Wow. And so like when you say that like, you know, earning this was 10 years ago at this point in time, nine right, years right. ago. So, I mean, I mean, it was an early in the eBay days, but we didn't have rideshare at that point in time. And we didn't have all these apps and money making tools right. like but if you want to put your time in something valuable, like earning more, if it's important to you. But like for me, like watching television is not something right. that I enjoy. Like I enjoy getting off of my day job and then hustling. I went to an estate sale this weekend mm. because I still enjoy buying stuff and flipping it. And I still mm. sell stuff on eBay all the mm. time. Yep. It's enjoyable. Enjoy it's enjoyable it. to get an extra hundred bucks. You know, and there's another thing too. A lot of times people can just do something that they enjoy. I still enjoy fitness. I, like I said, I went to school. I got a degree in exercise science. And I see now, and this is kind of a newer thing again with Instagram and YouTube and everything. You got some of these people that are very fit, y- younger people, some older people too, but they're very fit. They love fitness and they might have a regular job or maybe their job is in the fitness world, whatever it is. But now they start a YouTube channel or uh, an Instagram account or both or whatever on fitness and they're doing that and they're generating, they're monetizing it and making a little extra income off of that. I was talking a little bit about my my uh, scholarship on my site. So my scholarship is for entrepreneurial students. That's what I want to reward. Right, and right. so I have this finalist right now and I'm looking at their job descriptions of like what they're, how they're being entrepreneurial. I got one kid on here that's mowing lawns. I have another girl on here that's teaching dance she was a dancer Ooh. and she's teaching dance at her dance studio now. Yeah, I, I have she enjoys a, it. Yeah, I have another kid on here that works at catering jobs on the weekend. Yep. These aren't necessarily glamorous things, but they're available to anyone that wants them. Another right. person, another girl on here is just working as a barista. Another girl on here is uh, doing social media stuff. One girl here is uh, cleaning horse manure and cleaning horse kennels. We talk a lot about these online jobs, but there was just right. We just mentioned five offline jobs right, right. anyone could go do if they want to earn more money, and the potential's out there. I see it every day where a lot of these people are just not taking any action. They're accumulating stuff, 
And like they're just sitting in there, not financially happy with their lives, but they're not taking any action to change that. Whether that's getting out of debt, whether that's funding their retirements, whether that's you know achieving other financial goals, you know, there's just like I said, there's so many options and ways to make it happen. But people aren't educated or knowledgeable about like what's out there to do it. So we get knowledge. I think we've all read these headlines too in the news too. Like, you know, like, oh, this person, you know, is only making $23,000 a year and they're struggling to make ends meet. Like, you know, it's a common story. You know, oh, but it's my passion to be a theater actress in my community. Well, you know what? In New York, that, I mean, you see that in New York a lot because we work on New York City, right? You do. Uh, a lot of people come like- here to be an actress or sing on Broadway. And a lot of them are now serving your table when you go out to dinner. Or, but you know I what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Go no, for it. Absolutely. Go work and pursue your art dream That's on pursuing. the side. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's no shame in that. You know, no, every absolutely. country star out there always talks about going and playing in bars in Nashville because they're working and hustling their way up until they can try to make it big. And, you know, most don't, yeah, yeah. but they're out there working. And that, yeah. my thing is, is like, go get your job, go side hustle. There's so many income opportunities out there. Yeah, yeah, right. And you can achieve your financial goals, but you know, and there's a lot of psychology behind it. Like, you know, there's fear and like all this type of stuff that like discomfort, but like you got to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge today. And, uh, but before we go, I have a question for you. Do you have a value bomb in your experience, something for our listeners today to look out for, to avoid doing? To avoid it. To avoid it. There's the twist on it. There's something to avoid doing. Maybe a resolution for that. Stop buying stuff. Like just stop buying stuff because people have way too much junk and stuff and they spend way too much money. And it also came to light. I have a reader in my Facebook group that posted this. In April of this year, we gave him the challenge to sell all of his junk in his house because he's like, I I can't make ends meet. I have all this debt and everything. So he sold as much as he thought he could sell Mm -hmm. from April to July of this year. So like a three-month deal. He sold $7,500 in stuff out of his house. Paid off his debt and started funding his IRA for the first time in his life. And you know, you figure that's the resale value. So imagine how much he spent to like get there. All of us are guilty of it. And I would just challenge you, like, just stop buying stuff. It is the number one derailer of your life, is like things, knickknacks, clothes. Cars, like whatever. Stop it. You don't need it. Everyone has this like keeping up with the Joneses mentality, especially when we're talking young adults and kids and probably your Mm. 16 year old son. Like they they want to be like the cool kids, but you want to know what's really cool is not having to work again in your day in your life when you're 40 because you handled your business in your 20s and 30s and didn't buy all this stuff. And meanwhile, all your other friends with all their big houses and cars and junk, they're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to retire, yada, yada, yada. Like, that's a cooler thing to have. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Don't buy stuff and redirect your money into uh, building your future. Assets. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. I mean, it's not a huge value bomb, but like it was just at the top of mind right now. And I think... You know, just like they need the permission to buy something, like it's I'm giving you the permission to not buy stuff. It's okay, right? <laughs> there like, you go. You know, right. By not buying stuff, you're buying something. You're buying your future. 
Exactly. And you can think and, about and that I think with just a little that. mindset there, you know? Totally. And, and it's, it's hard. It's the psychology. It's your friendships. It's your family. It's your culture. It's how you grew up. Sure. And people will judge you weird and people will think you're silly, but they won't think you're silly when you're done. You're financially independent and you've handled your business when they're not. Yeah. Like that's the thing. You, yeah. you know, you get that like I told you so moment later in life. <laughs> sure. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Robert. I appreciate cool. it. Before we go, do you have any last words you want to say to our listeners? No, but if you have any questions and curious about paying for college or student loan debt, you can come over to thecollegeinvestor.com or like you said, the college investor audio show if you are liking the listening. Excellent. We're going to be putting Robert's contact information on our show notes page, which you can find at wealthtacticrebels.com. That's one word of wealthtacticrebels.com. And please reach out to us at Facebook, uh, the Wealth Tactic Rebels Facebook, and let us know what about this episode you found thought-provoking. And as always, thank you so much for listening to us today, and we hope you have a fantastic day. And uh, Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.